Welcome back, everybody. This is Chronicles of Power, a podcast dedicated to the world of power where I review and break down the last episode or the latest episode, rather, in the Powerverse. We are brought to you by Private Listed, your source for all things music, sports, culture, and entertainment. Hit us up at PVTLSTD or hit me directly at Kimi Cakes on IG. Also, I keep reiterating this every week. YouTube. We have a new YouTube channel. Please do not forget to subscribe and hit the notification bell so that you can know when new episodes drop or when we have new interviews coming out. We have a couple new new interviews dropping within the next few weeks, and we may even have the person of interest that we are going to be talking about a lot throughout this entire episode recap because if you did not watch the episode there are going to be tons of spoilers ahead and we are going to be going over power book two ghost episode 308 titled sacrifice directed by dawn wilkinson and the writer is sarah rose feinberg so any issues you have make sure you find her instagram and take it up with her (laughs) and the showrunner I am your host, Kimi, and thank you for joining me as we analyze Tariq and all of his drug-dealing, murderous friends. Uh, For this week, I do want to go over a bit of news that we have. So actor Wendell Pierce, and you may know him from Malcolm X, Waiting to Exhale, uh, Death of a Salesman, which he did on Broadway, and also Erica Woods has joined the Raising Canaan cast. I just want to clap it up for that because Raising Canaan are bringing in the heavy hitters in terms of acting chops. If you check our page at PVT LSTD on IG, we posted him a little while ago and also found a shot of him at the season two premiere. And we were pretty curious about him being there, considering that was all the way last year. So they always knew he was probably going to come on as a cast member. I believe he has a recurring role and not a series regular role, but we can always double check that. I'm also curious about what trouble he's going to bring for Rock, Lou, and Marvin. I heard he's supposed to be a robber of some sort, and I'm guessing he's the one that is going to be teaching Kanan how to rob and how to break into things. That's just my guess, but I did get that bit of information from my friends over at Power is Fire. Also want to give you a heads up that I did record this episode with Power is Fire, but somehow the audio got messed up, so that's why we are a little late getting this out this week. But stay tuned for interviews with Mr. Shane M. Johnson, who plays Cooper Sacks. And for today, I do have my special guest, my favorite special guest, Miss Mima Creations is in the building, and she is here to talk about all things episode eight. And obviously, we are going to probably conclude our discussion about Cooper Sacks because unfortunately, he's no longer going to be with us. So Mima, I'm going to let you start off. And you tell me, what are your initial thoughts on episode eight? Okay, so... <laughs> Not okay. <laughs> I um, was caught off guard with episode eight. Although I know um, Tariq, at the end of episode seven, you know, found out that Sax was working with the feds, I didn't think it would play out that quickly in episode eight. I thought we would at least get like to the end of the season, you know, um, to see Sax there. Like, even though he could be coming to an end, I didn't think it would be over this season for him. So, um, that it was just shocking to me. I, I'm still kind of in shock. Like, did this really happen? How could we reverse this? That's my feelings right now. So a lot of people are on the internet saying 
that he was still breathing at the end of the episode and that he may not be dead and they're holding out hope that he's not dead. And I find it so funny because, I mean, Cooper Sacks was the character that we all love to hate. And if I'm being honest, like I have a love-hate relationship with the character because I know what his purpose is. His purpose is to keep moving the story forward. And there has to be some sort of opposition to the anti-hero in the story because there's no, we, we can't just let them have a smooth ride. Otherwise there will be no show. And Cooper was one of the better people for that. First we had Greg Knox, obviously we, we kind of had Angela, but she was kind of on the side of ghosts without knowing it because she did want to protect him. But then Cooper Sacks was the one in the purest form trying to stop the murderous drug dealers. Although he ended up becoming corrupt with them because he was going, taking lengths to do things that ended up making him a criminal as well or unethical, rather. Now we are left with Blanca, maybe Medina, Jenny. <laughs> Y'all can't see Mima, but she put a thumbs down. So we have Jenny, Blanca. We also have Paz's son. I, they're probably going to reveal that he's her son at some point this season. But guys, that's the same actor that played her son. I When I recorded this, episode recap with Power is Fire, he pointed out something to me that I guess I just didn't pay attention to, but he said that Junior is older than Tariq. Okay, Junior is older than Tariq, but when we was watching the show, Junior was still like in high school or something, or at least that's what we were told because they didn't tell us college. They said he was in private school. They didn't say he was in college. Am I bugging, Mima? Yeah. I, I I was under the impression that he was in high school or something like that too. Because I was like, he has this big position already. And, uh, so he comes very quick. <laughs> he got, he moved up <laughs> but he so apparently when we were watching Power with Ghost Tommy, Tasha, Holly, and all of them, apparently he he must have been in college and we just missed it. We thought he was in high school and Tariq is supposed to be nineteen right now. And he is in his sophomore year of college. So Junior has already graduated college and he is now a part of the DEA. Yep. That's, yeah. This is what I just say. Power just powering. They're just going to fit whatever they need to fit into their little mold to make their story go the way how they want it to go. And that is going to be the theme throughout the entire rest of this episode. What I... Oh, oh man. no, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say makes sense too, because, you know, they could also rebuttal and say, because he's the nephew of Angela Valdez, he had the connection to get in there as opposed to somebody else coming straight out of college. Like how you land that role, you know, people usually have to pound the pavement before they get to where he's at. So I feel like maybe they're going to try to pull like, oh, since he was her nephew, they kind of hooked him up. Yeah. That's exactly what they're going to do. Yeah. That's exactly what they're going to do. Um, as far as I know, you have to, in order to, to become a cop, you have to do at least two years of college. So you have to have 60 credits, especially within the NYPD, you have to have at least 60 credits, college credits from an accredited college. And then after that, you do have to do at least one year as a rookie. I could be wrong with some of these statistics, but let me just tell you, the point that I'm making is that it takes some time. And from when power ended till right now, <laughs> it's only been about a year and a half. And so far, Junior has 
graduated college, did his rookie year, took the test to go into DEA, and now he's a full-fledged <laughs> DEA agent working on one of the biggest cases of his fucking career, a fucking Rico. Excuse me, guys. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to try my best not to curse this episode, but when I tell y'all I was so frustrated watching this, and it's so weird because... I wait to see everyone else's reaction to see if they have the same thoughts as me. And every week without fail, everybody is so blown away by the episode. Oh my God, that was the best thing ever. Speaking of which, friends, family, followers, I know y'all love to DM me and I do not mind talking about power with you guys. I love it. It's my favorite thing to do. But the best way for you to help me all of those thoughts that you have that you send me at one o'clock in the morning, 6 a.m. in the morning, 3 p.m. in the afternoon, please put it in the comments of my posts, please, because it really helps with my engagement. Like I get so many people talking to me about power all the time, even before I started this podcast, which is one of the reasons why I, one of the reasons why I started it, because it gave us an outlet to talk about it, especially because I know it's a show, but these situations, as you can clearly see by different Facebook debates or even just on IG or TikTok, a lot of people are invested in these characters and they bring sort of real life conflicts. For instance, let's start off with Effie and Kane, and then I'll start off with the epi- with the scene recap. But Effie and Kane, how do you feel about that? I saw it coming. It was brewing for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I partially, um, for me, I know Kane always like, you know, he had a crush on Effie for Effie. I feel like she's still moving with revenge for Tariq. Hmm. See the Kane thing. I didn't take it as revenge for Tariq. I just, I look at her as someone who is always looking for love or acceptance from other people or, and the other day I was talking about, I was talking to someone, again, people emailing me or DMing me about their thoughts, but her love language, right? This is her love language. Her love language would be acts of service. So the way how Tariq was, how she was able to open up to Tariq because Tariq took her to Italy. He was considerate in thinking of her for her robotics uh, program that she wanted to join and making sure to include her because they were going to talk to the Italian tech company. And these are acts of service to her, showing her that he loves her or that he is committed to what they have going on. Now, because Kane comes over, the, now Tariq has kicked her to the curb because she lied to him. And what we know of Tariq is that Tariq has a thing about people lying to him. That was the issue with his mother, father, uncle, and everyone around him, which which pushed him closer to Canaan because in his purview, Canaan is the one that tells him the truth and tells him things that he wants to hear, that he wants closure to, or that he needs insight on. Meanwhile, his family, the adults in his life, they're trying to protect him, but they're not protecting him in the way that he wants to be protected. And Right now, he's probably too far gone, and he probably. Sometimes I wonder, does he see the sacrifices that his dad Ghost was making for him, or even his mom? Because Tasha went to went to bat for Tariq a lot, right? Like she tried not to get, tried to not get him kicked out of school. She went to that school, making sure she was talking to the principal. Talk before she before he went to choke. 
She got him transferred to Choate to make sure that he still was able to finish his education. And that's why when people start to talk about how Tasha uh, was a horrible mother, I'm like, she did everything she possibly could to save him. But then at the end of it, she's just like, listen, your dad is throwing us to the side. You were doing whatever you want to do. And how can I stop you from doing this? But before I go on a tangent about Tariq and his relationship with Tasha, I do want to bring it back to Effie and Kate. I see a lot of people are frustrated that Effie jumped into bed with Kane. And even I made a joke saying, damn, how many drug dealers is she going to sleep with on her twin bed? Right? <laughs> like, it's just, it's too many drug dealers on the twin bed for me. Too many. <laughs> Mima is laughing. You can let out the laugh. It's okay. We was laughing. Because that, laugh. that mattress is super thin. That mattress is thin. That twin extra long is thin. But whatever the case is, I see that it's kind of, one-sided in how people talk about Effie and her jumping into bed with Kane and not any vitriol or not any blowback from Tariq doing the same exact thing. Tariq literally slept with Diana 10 hours later after he broke up with Effie, or at least, you know, we don't know what the timeline is, but it was definitely before Effie slept with Kane and I didn't look at it as her getting back at Tariq. Maybe that may have played a part subconsciously, but just from context clues, we only know that she was impressed that he paid the tuition and he didn't want anything back from her. And there was no ulterior motive for him to do that. And that's what made her feel comfortable that this is this would be her gift to him. Yes? Um, <laughs> I don't care if you disagree. Everybody, disagrees. I, I, I'll say yes, but I definitely don't agree. No, um, I have to say, but that's the whole point of this. We're gonna have different yeah. opinions. Um, <laughs> don't roll your eyes. I, per I personally feel like I understand the love language and stuff like that, but this to us, to the viewers, this stuff is happening in all of 24 hours. So I just really feel like, how are you having this love language thing with Kane? All because he sent a tuition payment. All of a sudden you have, you know, stars in your eyes for him. To me, it's just like, it's BS. I feel like you're mad because Tariq dropped you cold, slept with Diana, and you, you do, you, she is, of course, she's grateful for the tuition, but a part of her is like, no, mofo, you're going to pay. You're going to feel what I felt. And I feel like she's trying to get back at him in some extent. I don't think it's solely just that, but I definitely think something fueling her is revenge. Okay. Because of what he did. I don't think it's just like, okay, you know, you paid for my tuition. Uh, I love you now. You know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know that the love languages speak that quick. Like, it's it's been all of 24 hours, 48 hours, uh, you know. And to me, prior to, sorry, prior to, um... Prior to him paying the tuition, I, I didn't really see her budging, you know? I feel like as soon as she saw that Tariq was really done with her when she saw him sitting on Diana's bed is when, you know, something triggered in her. And she's like, okay, this is how we move in. I got you. And and from then on, it's been like something calculated. And with Effie, you know, we never really know what exactly she's thinking. So I just feel like something triggered her. Like she probably thought Tariq would just 
get mad and then, you know, take some time and get over it. But then when he saw her on the, you know, figured out he slept with Diana, she was like, okay, this is how we doing things. I got you. And that's what I've been seeing from Effie since, especially in the last episode. So here's why I disagree with that. Right. Again, it could be some sort of, I, I don't necessarily see it coming from a revenge um, aspect only because after mm-hmm. Tariq did after Tariq dropped her and kicked her out of the business, her only form of revenge towards Tariq was shutting down Crash Coin. She, all of the things that Tariq did to her, think about it. They set her up in this episode to take the fall for Crash Coin, but you know they set her up in a way that she wouldn't get arrested. They sugared the product, make switched out all of the product with sugar, and they ended up having to let her go. If I was her and Tariq burned me like that and didn't even put me into the loop, I'd be pretty pissed about it. And she still didn't try to get back at him. We do know now that she is uh, dealing with Kane because she then comes back up to the house. I know we're skipping scenes right now and I'm, I am going to get to Davis and McLean, but I do want to get through Effie and Kane and that storyline because we're going to be talking about sex for a very long time in this episode, in this uh, recap episode tonight, guys. So, she doesn't just to get back on track. She doesn't retaliate towards him after he kicked after he kicks her out of the business. She was about to, but Kane talks her out of it. She also doesn't retaliate against Monet, Tariq, Kane, and all of them, even Kane, right? After they set her up. She doesn't retaliate after she gets arrested. And she remember. Effie still has key information. She knows what everything is. She could have snitched as soon as she got to the station house because that's exactly what they wanted her to do. Or at least that's what they're setting it up as. It looks like they're arresting her in order for them to connect her to the Rico. Or at least that's what they told us. And she still didn't flip on Tariq on any of them. She's just not built that way. That's why I'm like, I don't think it's revenge in this instance. I think we have two straws going against Tariq already for her. And I think he's going to have to do something else to her. Whereas like he's going to want something from her. I'm telling you, he's going to want something from her and that's going to click to her. Oh, you only want me to do something. And then, then it's going to click to her and be like, you're a fucking user. And I don't bang with you like that. And I think that that is what's going to set her off. And I'm telling you, acts of service are her love language. This is what they're trying to tell us about her. That's why she was so ready to give to someone who didn't expect something from her. And that was initially her dynamic between her and Tariq. They were, she was giving to him and he was giving to her a family dynamic between her, Brayden and Tariq. And that's how, that was her payment of of a service to him and that's why i'm like i don't think that it's just revenge for her to get back at him because if it was revenge she would have ratted them out no she would not because <laughs> that's that messes her up too. she wouldn't rat them out to the police but she would have ratted him out to noma or somebody she is i'm telling you she she not she's not gonna get back at him in that way and it's not she's not using her power here isn't pussy power. Remember, that was Tasha's thing. Tasha's power was sex. That's how she felt that she was able to exude her power. And Effie, it, it just doesn't come off like that's her power to me. No? 
No, I don't think I don't think that's her power. I'm just saying this dynamic between her and Kane. I know Kane has been itching to like get Effie to see him for, you know, like I like you. But I definitely don't feel that she's a thousand percent there. I feel like oh, no. she's moving. I, I don't think so either. I yeah. She's a thousand percent there with anybody because she's a little guard. Yeah. And we don't we still don't know nothing about this girl. Like for instance, that's another thing. What does she spend her money on? Why doesn't she have money to pay her tuition? Facts. Well, that that is that is true. What are you what are you paying for? What are you doing? Does she you know, I don't know. I guess they'll tap into that maybe in season four, but I just feel like eh. I don't know with Effie. I'm not saying that Effie is um I wouldn't say she's equivalent to Tasha with the using sex and stuff like that because I really feel like we didn't see Effie with anybody. Well, remember she was in that lesbian relationship for a little bit, but that was just weird. Anyway, because uh, <laughs> it was just random. But um, I I feel like she would not have ratted them out because they all would be dead at the end of the day, just like Kane doesn't like Tariq and Kane is not going to rat out Tariq because in some there's a puzzle. They all need each other in some way. So nobody's going to rat out anybody because one person falls, everybody falls. So I, I just feel like, I don't think that that's, that would have been the trigger because she's not going to rat out anybody because she's already struggling. <laughs> what What is ratting out somebody going to do is really going to leave her for dead and she won't have anything. So, and then it makes her look, you know, like a, like a snitch to everybody else who's playing in the game besides Tariq. So I don't know. It's, it's just not a good look for her to do that. So I don't think she would have done that anyway. But um, I definitely don't, I don't feel like this Kane and Effie thing. It's like, I, I don't feel like it's equally yoked. I feel like she's moving from a different place and I don't know if it's love languages, but that's just my take. That's all. All right. <laughs> let's, let's keep going. So we'll start off with the first scene from the episode. And this is where we see, and this is the thing that's pissing me off, right? We start off with Davis. He's on the rooftop. He's venting and drinking because although his brother has been released, he's been avoiding him, right? So meaning that Theo has been avoiding Davis. I think his brother was content with his life behind bars and the sacrifice that he made for his brother's success. He also tells Davis in the previous episode that I did all of this for you. And Mima pointed out to me, if you go to jail for helping me, this will help all been for nothing. And he he understood his mortality. He, he came to terms with the, his terminal Ill, illness and he came to terms with the sacrifice that he made for his brother. His brother is thriving and successful. And listen, let me just live out my last days here. Theo's character, at least how we are introduced to him, is sickly. He's meek. He has never been a criminal. There is no evidence of him ever having a propensity towards violence. And this is what we know of him. He owns mm -hmm. the rap for his brother just so that his brother can succeed because his brother did a fucked up move. And we know that Davis has already shown signs of being unethical. He does have a propensity to vi for violence because in this same scene, we see that as soon as Tariq tells him, or not in the same scene, but after the scene, as the scene progresses, that Tariq tells him about Sax being a mole or being a CI. And what does he do? Click, 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 opens up the safe and pulls out a burner. 
Like we know he has the propensity for this. We know that he's he's a little bit more rugged than Theo. So keep that in mind as we keep talking about Theo throughout this. Now, while they're on the roof, Sax is under fucking pressure because he knows that his cover is about to be blown, especially with Diana Tejada being arrested. So Cooper is under pressure. And when the call comes through to Davis while they're on the rooftop having their bromance, uh, Method Man or McLean is hugging him and saying, bring it in, bring it in. <laughs> and, you know, happy that he got his brother out, but his brother is kind of sh- icing him out in a little bit. He does have this bromance with Sax because he doesn't know that Sax is a double agent. And he also feels like this person has his best interest in heart. But Monet calls. And Sax is about to shit himself at this point because he knows that at any moment the hammer is about to drop. But it's Monet on the line and he's, she's just telling McLean to get to the station house because they arrested Diana. Sax talks him into not going because he's drunk. And he says, you know what? I will go. Mistake. No moral. This is like mistake 10 10,000 for Sax at this point. If there was anything that sealed his fate after he told Jenny that she would help, it's this part right here. Him going in to try to get information out of Diana and possibly give that, possibly and does give that information to Jenny, Blanca, Medina, and everybody else just to rope them all in the Rico, that solidified the nail in his coffin. At this point, we're digging up the dirt. We're about to say ash to ash, dust to dust, because that's it for him. So, It doesn't end up being Tariq yet. Tariq does send the text to Davis and then they meet up in the office. He tells Davis that Sachs is the CI and that is when all hell is breaking loose because now McLean has to run to the station house, get to Diana before she talks to this person who she believes is her lawyer, right? And meanwhile, this big, dutty, idiot girl is at the station house (laughs) saying... What does Salim? What does Diana say, Nima? I know Salim spoke to you. What? Your <laughs> stupid mouth. This is the same reason why Monet be cursing you out because you don't know how to shut up. Why would you say Salim's name? Because if they didn't know anything about him before, now they will. Yeah. So now, if you thought people hated Salim's character before, when they go find him next season or the end of this season and ask him, hey, what do you know about Diana Tejada? He is about to... <laughs> Brother Hotel is about to be... Pushing drugs through the bookstore. Exactly. About to be out there singing like a bird. But... Diana, instead of saying, attorney, I need a lawyer. I don't know what you guys want. Or just staying mom. The, the last thing your mother said to you in episode seven was shut your mouth. Don't say nothing. And what does Diana go in there and do? This, I know it was Celine. What? <laughs> <laughs> like, just, just take me to jail. Put a sign on her chest that says take, take me, to, me jail. to jail. Lock me up. Put the cool. Who comes in like, is this because I robbed the bank? Is this, this is what you pulled me in for? Like, you idiot. You idiot. No, we just wanted you for a murder, but tell us more about the bank robber. Exactly. <laughs> she is so, uh, she thinks she's smart, but Jesus, that mouth. Oh my gosh, she's so fucking dingy sometimes. Hi, Lauren. Maybe she is. She, she is marshmallow brains because I just don't understand. So McLean gets there, right? And he, he sees 
he sees that Diana is talking to Sax and he also peeps Sax and Jenny in the hallway. If he didn't have the information that he had from Tariq before, he would have thought that it's just what he normally set him to do to get information from Jenny. But because now he has the extra piece of information, he knows that whatever they're talking about is not in their best interest. You wanted to say something wrong and get ready to speak. Don't you notice these people in power don't know how to whisper? Like... What? Why? Why are you in the hallway yes. talking this, the this information? Ex exactly. Anybody could have passed by or been around that corner listening. Like I just don't. Girl. Hey, Jenny. So and so. It's like <laughs> you you can't go you can't go down the block and have this conversation. You want to have it right here? No. <laughs> like <laughs> make it more obvious. Oh my gosh. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the little things like that like they never meet up down the block they always got to talk outside the the room and no and the witness diana didn't hear none of this conversation like nobody hears it <laughs> i just don't get it <laughs> oh yeah i had to mute my mic because i had to let that laugh out. okay so hold on so all right, so Diana didn't hear the conversation happening in the hallway. Davis does. <laughs> Wait, okay. Whew, let me take a breather. Hold on. Diana doesn't hear the conversation. Um, but Davis walks in on them having it, and they end up going into the interrogation room. He throws coffee on sex just to get her to stop talking because it's not like you can wink at this bitch for her to know, like, that's enough. No more talking. Because, I mean, and in this instance is where I'll say I have I have some sympathy for her because she thinks that she's in the room with the lawyers who are there to help her. So I understand the play here. Like, okay, let me pass Shorty a note so that she knows to stop talking in front of sex. I understand that. They get it out and... He, what, what happens next after they leave Tariq, after they leave the station house? Oh, they go back to Monet and Kane and them. And Kane, Kane then has the idea that he's going to go up to Stansfield and figure out everything that happens. He goes to Stansfield and of course him and Effie, they do the do, but we've already talked about that. But the information that he went up to Stansfield for was he finds out that Diana has been dealing out of the candy store and that. Uh, they may have seen her on the camera up top. All right, Effie. So they may have seen her on the camera up top. Now here's my beef with you. When you saw the camera up there, you didn't think to text everybody in the crew and say, hey guys, there's a camera on the roof. She only texts Kane when that happened. She didn't even text Tariq. Cause what, was her and Tariq still dealing at that time? I don't think, I don't think so. No, I I think that was right after the breakup. What? Right after what the breakup. What was going up there for then? I don't know, you know. I Whatever the case is, she didn't text everybody because everybody no, she did. has that was lockers. Weird. And she only texts Kate and says, hey, there's uh, cameras up top. Thanks. Thanks, Effie. So Diana doesn't know that there's a camera up there. But she spots the But Effie spots the camera, leaves, and that's the end of it. And she tells Kane, hey, there's a camera up there. And that's how they probably know what she's doing. What? All right. 
You know what else is funny? I mean, and they have a picture uh, of Diana since her dad's funeral. So remember that whole big scene where the Russians shoot up the funeral. Blanca and Jenny are in the back, and we never see, we don't see them again. No Russians got arrested for shooting up the funeral. Gordo pull out this big gold 007 gun. Kane and Drew shooting back. McLean, the lawyer, is there. Blanca and Jenny was in the audience. Nothing. No, nobody talks about that part. Nothing. Them people just disappeared in the basement of the funeral. Like, where, <laughs> where did they go? I don't know. They had the picture of Diana on the rooftop at the damn funeral. <laughs> oh, like, that part was like, okay, so you're trying to build a case to catch Effie, but they got a whole shootout outside the church. And I wish I could see you know, that because I was like, what? They had a full, full? I don't understand how they didn't out. speak about that. This, yeah, this, anyway. Okay, I'll keep going. Let me let me keep going. So we go over, we went over Diana and they start, co- and they start connecting the dots between Ramirez. Ramirez is who Mary J used to be, not Mary J, Wicked Monet, sorry. Wicked Monet. That's who Wicked Monet used to sleep with while her husband was in prison. Um, another funny thing that I've noticed. Do y'all notice that she had more sex with uh, Lorenzo while he was in prison than when he came out? <laughs> Ain't that something? <laughs> I know. That's only if, you know, they just not trying to show them, but yeah. yeah they were not seeing eye to eye when he came out of prison. But whatever the case is. Remember, she wasn't happy when he came home. She yeah, just was like, oh, God. Shit. And then because he came back out, she was just like, oh, I have to go play my position again. And I can't be the one, the head BIC anymore. It's back to him. And she she just hated the shift in power or what she thought the power dynamic was going to be. And therefore, she is like, I'm not rocking with you like that anymore. Can we just discuss for two seconds when Diana came out of jail? Wait, we got to <laughs> And I had a flashback to my old mother. (laughs) I was like, Mary J. Blige is Caribbean. Yes. That was my favorite Monet moment because (laughs) Diana said, I'm sick of this. I don't know what I'm supposed to say what I'm supposed to do. I don't want to deal drugs no more. I want to go to Spelman. Get me out of here. Let's go to Atlanta. <laughs> Monet doesn't cut her off. She listens to her. <laughs> she listens to her and says, you, you want to leave. <laughs> you want to leave. You need a slap of Sajid Head. fucking car talking about you want to leave. Shut up. <laughs> I had to rewind that part. That had me cracking up. Cracking up. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to talk. Because she just looked at her. She was like, you need to slap upside your fucking head. Talk about you want to you leave. Where do you think you're going to go? <laughs> Stupid. This is a, I don't know who writing Diana's script, but I'm going to need them to come on. Come on. Okay. All right. Yo, I got to stop laughing. Like this. Hold on. Because okay. right. some things is just like, what? <sighs> okay. All right. All right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Sidetracked you, but yeah. Sidetracked. I'm back. I'm back. Let's go back to Monet. Monet. All right. So now that we spoke about the that, that Diana scene, we don't have to talk about it anymore. I'm just trying to get <laughs> with, with my notes. So we, we wrap up Diana because now we got through her 
in the station house. And when she finally sees her mom, her mom says, get your ass back in that car, <laughs> silly little girl. But whatever the case is, um, Monet, before we get to you know her going to get Diana out and then releasing Diana, she calls a meeting with the Castillos to shut down business while the RICO, the investigation is still brewing, right? So she wants them to stop and there's no more product on the street. Now they are resistant towards this, right? Because they don't know what's happening. They're just like, hey, we just got into business with you. Now you're telling us we can't sell anymore and we still have a business to run. And she's like, listen, the less you know, the better. We're trying to get this done. And what and what she was inferring or what she was referring to rather at that moment was that they had a plan where they were setting up everything so that they can get this whole RICO investigation done and over with. But she doesn't tell them about it. Granted, they don't really need to know you just need to know that we are on pause for right now, and then we'll get back to it. Um, but the most important takeaway from that scene is that Evelyn asks Drew, have you seen Gordo? I haven't heard from him. What's going on? And Drew says, no, everything is fine. Idiot. What is wrong with Monet's kid? Because and that is your way in right there. We're like, hey, I don't know where he is. We had an argument. I, exactly. That that was your way out. This way, they won't suspect anything from you. It's like, hey, I don't know where he is. I think we may have broken up. He seemed to just up and disappear. Just saying everything is fine. They're going to think something is up with you. But okay, Drew, we know he'd be acting off his emotions. And we do know he got a heavy trigger finger. I know we talk about Kane, who be going off the deep end and trying to kill everybody. But Drew killed people, too. Okay. Drew Drew killed people too. So um, Evelyn asks about Gordo. Drew lies and says that everything is fine. But then later on, we see Drew. Now let's talk about this before. Now. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Let's get through it though. I got to take a walk. Drew Drew (laughs) is pouring his heart out. His heart is sold out to Everett at the hotel bar because prior to this drew is in his house while kane is on the phone with effie asking her if she trusts Tariq, and he doesn't he doesn't get to finish saying why he thinks this to which effie is her, she's curious now like why are you saying that if you got something to say say it but she's still gonna follow through with the plan that Tariq gave to her about going to the warehouse, picking up the stuff, even though she was hesitant about it. Like, why would I do that? I'm not a corner boy, but he's on the phone. Kane is on the phone with Effie and he's like, Hey, do you really trust him? But he doesn't tell her anything else because he hears Carl Thomas upstairs throwing stuff in his room, playing summer rain. And (laughs) I wish I never met him (laughs) breaking stuff. He goes upstairs to check on Drew, and I like I like their relationship. They're they're rough with each other as brothers, and they do confront each other, but they do care about one another. And he asks him, he says, "You know what's the matter?" Kane is sitting there just chilling on the bed. Well, and he plays the video or rewinds the newscast. And shout out to Jamel Hill who made a cameo here. Remember, she was the one who interviewed Zeke too, but she's interviewing um, Everett for coming out of the closet and they introduce his white boy in stripes, his, his doctor boyfriend and drew loses it. He's like, you could have parade my pretty ass around town, but you will find you a nice little white man that you feel comfortable to say that you're out of the closet with. 
So I, un- this is why I say Everett was a trash ass match for Drew. He didn't understand his life. He would never understand his life. And Drew could never be open and honest about his family business. And he would always be hiding stuff from him. And there's things that he just couldn't disclose with him. So their relationship would never work unless he, unless Drew was able to develop some sort of trust for Everett in that way. But Everett just seemed like he didn't want to be down with that at all. He wanted to come out the closet when he wanted to come out the closet. He didn't want everybody to know that he was in a relationship with Drew. And, and, I, and I, I still question... Drew, to me, didn't have the status that Everett wanted him to have. And I think the reason why he gravitated towards uh, a white male doctor is because he wanted someone with status. And that is what made him comfortable with coming out and make and do a whole big fucking press conference for the NBA to know he's the first openly gay basketball player because he's looking for clout. And that is what Drew did not need in his life. He's always worrying about protecting his image, never worrying about how these things affect Drew, never worrying about his relationship and his dynamics with Drew. So that's why I always said Everett is fucking trash. He is not a good person. And then <clears throat> on top of this, granted, we find out later that this scene was cut. He didn't even come to your daddy's funeral. Why are you crying over him? But I did find out that he was that he was there at the funeral. They just cut it. But from what we know, as an audience member, Everett was not there. He didn't. Oh, okay. Because I, I was about to say, yeah. yeah. He didn't call Drew. He didn't say sorry for your loss. Nothing. Radio silence from Everett. And at this point, he can go kick rocks, Drew. I don't know what you're crying over here for. But then again, the heart wants what the heart wants. And he just wanted to be accepted by him, especially because this is probably his first full-fledged relationship um, with a man. He probably always knew he was gay or you know, came towards that realization when this is probably his first relationship. And that is why he went on the downward spiral. And he started going on Grinder and Tinder and apps like that. And then eventually he finds his play cousin Gordo and they get into a relationship. I wish he didn't kill Gordo because Gordo was the right person for him. Like they were, they have a lot of things in common. They grew up together. They don't have to lie to each other about things and they don't have to hide who they really are with each other. And he, in other words, he can be comfort. He can be comforted by him, and he can also live in his truth with him. Any comments about that? Um, yeah, I definitely feel that Everett. Uh, I don't think he was a great guy at all. Very um, cocky, self-centered. But I do feel that if Drew was just <laughs> a normal college student. Or if he just had a regular job, he may have had a chance to come out with him. It's just that you're a drug dealer. And look at how much deaths was surrounding him. I mean, Everett was cocky, yes. But who's who was taking on Drew? I, I wasn't I wasn't taking him on. Like the man is going to the NBA. Why are you why are you trying to wife up or whatever you call it? You know, Drew, it it would have never worked. So at the same time, Everett is a jerk. I see why he didn't want any parts of Drew, and I wouldn't make that relationship known either. I, I would have kept that hush-hush too. Well, I don't know if he was keeping it hush-hush just because it was Drew. I think he was keeping it hush-hush because he wasn't out of the closet. Well, that too, but he. I'm just saying, like, because you see how he came out and he's like, oh, my, here's my boyfriend. You say he's a doctor. My thing is that if Drew wasn't a doctor, say he was a teacher— 
he probably would have, um, you know, showed Drew, but Drew was a drug dealer. He's from a big drug dealer family. You Google his father or anybody, and all you see is crime. And then Zeke died, his teammate. Like, there was nothing um, appetizing about Drew that I would want to associate myself with if I'm going to the NBA. So I can't be mad at Everett for taking the route that he did. Um, he's securing his future and Drew was just a, like, he's a liability. I would not, I wouldn't want no association with him. I'm, I'm, I'm keeping it real. He could have a, a great heart, but you come from a family of crime and Drew himself is a murderer. So <laughs> he made the he made the best decision. Everett doesn't know all of those things, though. He may know about his dad, but he doesn't know. All he, those do, things. he does. Yes, he does. Remember when they got caught up with the um that gang in the beginning? Um, Everett and Zeke and Drew and Drew had the gun to the guy's head, and because the guy was threatening to um shoot Z and um Zeke in the um knees or something like that. The point I'm making is that Everett was very aware that Drew was a thug. He knew that he came from a family of that association. Like his father's Lorenzo. Look at even Salim was like, oh, I Googled your father. <laughs> I mean, come on. Like <laughs> oh my if, if, Salim, if Salim can Google Lorenzo, I'm sure Everett did. So that's the point I'm making. And then his teammate Zeke, yeah, his teammate Zeke died. You know, he got killed. So who would want any association with that family? That's all I'm saying. It just doesn't make sense. So he ever did the right thing. If I'm his age at 19, 20, I'm securing my future. Like, I'll find love again. <laughs> Sorry. And he sure did. He found love in a hopeless place, okay? <laughs> uh, let me see. So uh, Gordo, so Drew killing Gordo uh, and his mother putting the battery in his back without him even knowing that his mother put the battery in his back to kill Gordo. How do you think that that's going to pan out for Monet? With Monet putting the battery in, in Gordo's back? And, well, he did. Put, she put the battery in Gordo's back to kill Lorenzo. She also put the battery in Drew's back to kill Gordo. I don't know because I don't. I don't know that I see Drew taking out Monet. I mean, I know, um, I feel like a lot of people are thinking like something may happen to Monet because of all the lies she's telling and all the stuff she's creating. Cause th she is the root of everything, but, um, definitely they either going to stop talking to her. I don't know if they'll take it to the point where they kill her, but I definitely feel like it's going to be, um, a wedge in the family. Like they're going to disown Monet or it's, it's just, it's just not going in a good direction. Yeah. I agree. Because once they start to piece it together, I don't I, I don't know that they may kill her, but I definitely don't think that family's gonna be tight anymore, of course. Yeah, but you know what they always do within power, whereas they write so they'll write something so that you can never flat out agree one way or the other. They always make it like it's two sides to it. So the thing with Monet is the reason why she did what she did is because Lorenzo killed Zeke. We get that. But then the other side of it is like, hey, girl, that's your husband for 22, 22, 23 years. And you just killed him. And yes, you still have three other children with him. Um, and then the other thing is what I think they're probably going to do with her. I, I hope they kill her. I think Monet's time on this show is <laughs> coming, yeah. should come to an end, um, especially if they can kill Sax like this. Like Monet should not still be. That's true. 
Monet shouldn't be around anymore considering all of the disruption that she causes within the plans that they have. She's always unaware of things. This thing of her not meeting Noma yet is very fucking weird to me. Um, I, I just don't understand how they haven't crossed paths yet. And we've only seen Noma, what, twice this season? Again, why are we scared of this woman? Facts. I, I, I don't... And, and you, the, the way they started off the season, you know, I was getting the feeling like, oh, this is going to be the... You know, and it's just like, where is she? Milan all over again that we are going to be... Because Milan was fucking scary. Like, he was just talking regular and I was scared to death. Yeah. He didn't even kill nobody, torture nobody. I was just very scared. <laughs> exactly. Like... Him, Lobos. Um, Lobos was crazy, erratic. Um, Jason, why was I scared? Jason, oh, because trying to bury Tommy alive. <laughs> yeah, so like they, yes, and and Jason had this quiet, crazy thing about him. Like, yeah, and then his voice, it was, <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, yeah, and it, something about him. To be fair, I'm more scared of Monet than I am of Noma. Well, when she cut off that lady hand, that was in the scary. Yes, but yeah. then we didn't see her again. We the next time we saw her was in Italy, and she shot somebody. She may be the one to take out Monet. Or vice versa. Oh. Uh. <laughs> I could I could just see Monet going off like, ain't nobody thinking about Dante. <laughs> nobody thinking about Dante. That's, that's exactly what she wants to do. I don't know what I don't care about him. I just had a baby with him when I was like 14 years old. Okay. I wonder if she's going to admit that she killed him. It, you think she's going to admit it? To, uh, I wonder. I, I I mean to Sonoma because Noma can't be this naive and in the dark, right? This is this is what I'm saying. That that so that's only if the way they're gonna meet up is that Noma figures it out and you know shows up at Monet's house or whatever the case is. But I don't know. I don't think they're gonna be done with Monet this soon. I don't know. What season are we? Are we in season three? Yeah, I because think about it. What happens after if if they kill off Monet? Then what? Then it's a war between whoever kills her and and the rest of the family. Trust me, she's gonna win her kids back over again. One way you think she will. Monet is so manipulating them this far. Thus far, like she'll do it again. Okay, I got a question for you. Okay, hit me. Nah, I, I I could answer my own question, but something about <laughs> I know people say Monet, blah blah blah. I don't think Monet loved them children. I'm sorry. I, I just I, don't. I think she loves them, but she loves them in her own way because I think she loved Zeke. I yes, she was more affectionate towards Zeke, I believe, because of the guilt she felt by not being in his life. I think that she treats these children like drug dealers and like employees because that's how she raised them to be especially because uh lorenzo was in jail for what a decade and she had to treat these children like employees and <sighs> it, really bothers me. It, it, it bothers me but let's keep talking about monet yeah sorry okay i'm gonna go through some scenes with monet so kiki checks in on brayden to make sure he didn't rat rat out that weston holden's is a ponzi scheme they know that Monet has been calling down the place because she want her money back. She did not. She did not agree with um, 
Kane's choice to put the money in Western holders because her reasoning was, you think these white people want to see us do well? So that was her. She, she doesn't even know about the Ponzi scheme yet. And because of that quote from her, we know that Tariq didn't tell her anything because Tariq also just finds out that it's a Ponzi scheme. And guess who else lost their money? Tariq moves his trust into Western Holdings. When this happened, I have no idea. I've been Googling like hell. When did, <laughs> when did Tariq move the money into Western Holdings? I have no clue. If I find it, I will tell y'all in the next episode. But he meets up with Brayden. Brayden tells him, isn't it funny? Isn't it funny that I am the Western being investigated? Considering we got a whole YSL Rico charge coming. <laughs> and we got a YSL Rico and... My whole family's thing is a fucking scam. So Tariq finds out in one clear swoop that he loses his trust fund. Guess who else got some money in there? RSJ. So there's a problem there too. And Monique, Monet Tahada. So Monet's money is missing. And she gave what? Two million? Tariq probably has like four million in her trust and RSJ undisclosed amount. Crazy amount of money that they're all about to lose. <sighs> Let's keep going forward. Uh, she meets up with Lucas. So Monet meets up with Lucas and says, mm, that's good. I hated that line, by the way. Um, when she meets up with Lucas about getting the money back. All right. I just want to make sure we we all here. Uh, let's see. Lucas' death is coming soon. soon. They, he got it. He got it. I mean. But they need to get the money first. They're not going to get it. And yeah. he dies, they're not going to get it. And the fact that he doesn't have it now to give to them lets me know that they will never have it. That's crazy. How do you, in a matter of, like I said, 24 hours, you lose all that money? You lose $10 million. What were y'all doing with the money? What were y'all doing with it? Uh, do, 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 do. We confirmed that Junior is Paz's son. Uh, Tariq tells Braden that he's tired of being on defense. He wants to get on offense. And they should have had that plan from a very long time ago. Uh, but Mary did look pretty. How'd you feel about her makeup when she went to go see Lucas? I ain't trying to say nothing, but she, she looks great this season. Like the glam has stepped up the outfits. Oh my God. Like she, she looks really good. She looked really good. That was a Louis Vuitton shirt that she had on, like shirt dress. Uh, Diana does play into the plan that they had she does give up effie they go to the warehouse effie has the sugar uh they let effie go now let's get back to effie and we talked about white boy stripes with everett now effie they come because of the whole trick with the sugar they come back now with effie and kane who are in the room they talking they they pillow talking and they come arrest effie Oh, let's not forget that she made Tariq hide in the bathroom when, not Tariq, Kane hide in the bathroom when Tariq came. That's why I'm telling you, it's not revenge. She she still loves Tariq. She made, oh yeah, yeah, of course. She made Kane hide in the bathroom, even though Kane is the one that is farming her right now. <laughs> he is plowing. And she made him hide in the bathroom just so she could talk to Tariq without, de- she didn't want to deal with that right now. So, um. They come back now. They 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 knocking on the door. They say, "Oh, we gotta do cleanup or whatever." They said that they have to do. She puts on her sweater. They cuff her and say, "You're arrested for the attempted murder of Lauren Baldwin." She's like, "What? What? What?" Almost getting ready to talk. Walk out 
And what they do? Make Lauren roll down the window. That part? No. We're going to talk, talk about that. <laughs> because. Rushing behind her. So rushing behind her is Kane, who, who's Kane, who, the actor who plays Kane is Woody, and his eyes are like this big, right? And he tried to open them up mad wide so that he can see who he's seen in the car. But he does, we're supposed to know that he does realize that it's Lauren in the car and all hell is about to break loose. Now, the, here's where I would like to step into reality for a second, people. If there is a suspect in a case, the police, the DA, the AUSA, the defense attorney, they cannot bring the accuser to your residence to say, this is the person that did it. They have to take the person to a lineup to put them against other people to make sure that is the person that did it. How the, f- how the F are you going to bring? <laughs> I just, I don't understand what is going on. Why would they do this? They, like this would never happen. Very messy. Very messy. And then for them, if the, this person is the, not only just that, right? Not only that there wasn't a lineup. If you have this person in protective custody, why would you, you don't know who is on the campus at Stansfield, especially with, we saw Kane there too. If you fear for this girl's life, why would y'all have her out in the Thank you. That? But, but also, I know it's just a show, but still, she's an idiot too to agree to that. Yeah, I just, but I already told you, I have new names for <laughs> every week because I don't understand how this girl can be so dingy. Congressional debate. Brayden is in between his dad and his uncle, and I think that that is foreshadowing what is to come later within this season and later within uh, down the line of the progression of this show. Um, I don't know how long this show can last, especially with how the writing has been recently and how the plot points have been moving forward. If we make it to a season five, I think that we'll be extremely blessed. But I don't see this show going past season five. Uh, let's see what else before we start talking about sex, because I want to dedicate some time to sex. So Irish Jane and Tariq speak. He tells him about Weston Holden's being a Ponzi scheme. scheme. Uh, RSJ wants to take Tariq directly to the SEC and it said Tariq thinks blackmailing them is a better option because that's the only way that they'll be able to get the money out. Lucas is not really playing this game right now. He's like, I don't got to play by y'all rules. And he calls them, this is not the hood and all types of stuff. So, but <laughs> what was that about? Yeah. What was that about? They just be throwing shit in. And I just, what was the purpose of him saying that? Her name is Sarah Sarah Feinberg, and they threw that in. It really annoyed me. Like, really annoyed me. But yeah, because RSJ, especially after he lost everybody's money, then you make a comment like that. Yeah, just pure fuckboy shit. Um, RSJ makes a repayment plan based on their new investment rate and the, the level of investors that they have coming into the fund. Theo apologizes to both Davis and Sachs and Cooper gets kicked out of the office because at this point, Davis knows that Sachs is the CI and he, he doesn't want to talk around Theo, but then he tells Theo that Sachs is a CI. Why does he tell him this? I have no idea. And he says, he he only told him because he's afraid it may affect Theo's release. Bruh. <laughs> but again, 
uh, things start moving really fast here at this point because as soon as Davis tells him this, he's just like, and you let him walk out of here? So why do you let him walk out of here? You out. Just worry about the month you have left to live. Enjoy it with your exactly. And that's all you got to worry about. That's it. Um, let's see. You want to you wanna just start talking about sex now? Because I think I'm done with everything. Sure. Because we go over Drew. We go over Diana. We go over Monet. We go over Tariq. Yeah. One one quick question, and you probably can help me understand it just quick. Uh-huh. Why, how come Brayden's father doesn't know anything about this? Because uh, Brayden's father is never in the loop with anything. He's just, mm. he's just, I, but they said yeah. at the beginning of the season too, like his dad is just out the loop and he's very trusting. Uh, okay. So Sax, Blanca, and Jenny, they get burned because of the sugar. And this is where like, I wanted to punch Jenny in the face because it's, this is the point where I'm like, girl, if you know that his cover is blown and he's doing all of this so that you guys can finally get the murderers, get the drug dealers, wrap up the Rico, you're going to tell him you're not going to offer him protection. And as soon as she says that two seconds later, he's kidnapped in broad daylight. Somebody needs to take her out. <laughs> Sorry. Somebody needs to take her out. She's just not a nice person. And she, I think she's just, oh, she's worse than the old facts. Like she's just. So here is where all the sandcastles are starting to wash away because now they know that the Tejadas and whoever else is named in the Rico is on the sacks. And that's why they weren't caught off guard by the sugar. They, this is what lets them know, okay, Saks is out there. Saks, his cover is completely blown. And the the fact that she didn't offer protection for him, I will never be able to wrap my mind around this. You want to protect Morin, who is only going to give you Effie, but you're not going to protect Saks, who's trying to give you the entire organization. They obviously they outsmarted y'all, but now you're just you're not going to protect the person who one is sleeping with you, two has developed feelings for you, three is an officer of the court, and also sacrificing his career for trying to help you. So I, I I'm. disgusted with Jenny Um, so Theo kidnaps him and here's where I'm gonna like lay it all out why I hated this episode and I hated this idea we don't know Theo from a fucking hole in the wall okay and at the beginning of this episode I told you all what we know about Theo is he is in jail for a crime that he did not commit his demeanor in his meeting in those meeting rooms is that meek, about to die. He was looking like a zombie apocalypse in one of the damn episodes. His makeup was gray, green, and, and slightly blue tinted. Okay, he could barely walk. He was happy to stay in prison, and all of a sudden, this man got the kahunas to just get a, where he got the gun from. Where he got the gun from? He don't even got no money. He barely had a phone, much less. He barely had a phone. But whatever the case is, he somehow finds a way to pick the lock to get into the Audi A5 or A7 that Sax is driving. And he sit, he lays on Sax, kidnaps him, and takes him to the helipad that him and Davis used to visit when they were children. So Davis and Tariq, they meet him at the helipad with a gun behind Sax's back. 
Sachs doesn't even get to plead his case. He just is talking to him like, Theo, you don't want to do this. This doesn't affect your case. Like that's all, that's all you were going to say if someone has a gun on you. That's it. That's all you're going to say. Like, I can't even believe they didn't even give Sachs a like lines to even defend himself or to have like a final conversation with Tariq with, about being found out or even McLean, right? And to me, they've always been building up that. And this point you brought up too, you would, I would think that he would have some sort of allegiance towards McLean because McLean saves him. No, McLean said, okay, you don't got no job with the DA anymore. Come on over with the winning team. Give him a, give him a makeover, give him higher pay. Uh, freshly pressed suits and customized suits. And you over here making money, doing everything that you need to do, but you still feel the need to help Jenny out. But we know why he's helping Jenny because he likes Jenny. He did. He started thinking that this could possibly be for him. He's always lived this lonely bachelor life, but he found comfort in Jenny the same way how Drew found comfort in Gordo or even Everett. And this is where he feels like he needs to be. But back to Theo. So now, Theo, I here's what I'll ask you. Do you feel like this killed? First of all, oh my God. I feel like I keep coming back to different things that I remember. I'll say this and then I'll go back to my question about Theo to you. Sachs has been on this show, or Shane Johnson, who plays Cooper Sachs, has been on this show since episode one season one. And you mean to tell me a main character like this, who has, uh, who has appeared in more than 50 episodes, right? More than 50 from the first iteration of power to this, uh, to ghost. You mean to tell me y'all get some random person to kill him? Someone who has been on this show for this long, who has, who has a heated history with Tariq has a history with uh, Tariq's entire family, has a history with Tommy. They didn't even bring Tommy back from the alleged dead to kill Sachs. They bring some random person, and I know why they do this, right? Because they want to wrap everything up in a nice clean bow and say, oh, well, he killed him and then he killed himself. There's no one to prosecute in this, right? That That's why they do that. And this probably would have held more weight even if it wasn't one of the main characters who have a history with Saks, if it was Red Man, because we know Red Man and Method Man's relationship outside of the show. And we are used to seeing Red Man and Method Man together. And I remember the memes after uh, they did the character switch and the actors know that there's going to be a character switch too. And definitely before we do, We weren't as invested in the, the in McLean's brother anymore because they changed it from from uh, Red Man to this random actor, and this is nothing against the actor, right? Because he can't help that Red Man was recasted, but they should have come up with something different. How can we kill someone like Sax, this person who we have all loved to hate? We we trying to figure out what are his motivations? Why is he doing this? Whose side is he really on? And then they bring this random gray, gray, green, blue person to come kill him. That's foolishness. That's almost a slap in the face of the actor who has dedicated what nearly a decade of his life on the show. Yeah. And then y'all just kill him off like that. That's yeah. dumb. I, I, 
And then with the Rico, like I feel like they're just trying to wrap everything up so quickly in this season because yeah, and I don't know why it's giving Tyler Perry vibes. So. It is, it is, giving, it is giving, <laughs> meaning that he rushes things. Know, like right, he like rush. giving us the this is a two-hour movie. Let's get the main, middle, and plot out, and then we end. It. Mm-hmm. That's it. And that's what it's giving. It's looking like these people don't want to do this show anymore. Yeah, and the. I, I should have prefaced my epi- episode with this disclaimer. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are my own. It looks like they don't want to do this anymore. And it looks like whoever they have running the show right now, it looks like they don't want to do this anymore. And then I thought, like, I, I've been holding back on saying this, but do y'all know that the new showrunner of, of, Ghost now used to be the showrunner on Empire who used to work with Empire and this show is giving me heavy Empire vibes right now. Heavy oh, no. vibes. And that is why I'm taking umbrage with how Sax was killed off because it just doesn't make sense. Like this whole world that Courtney Kemp and all of the initial writers built, it just feels like they are coming through like Snoop and kicking down the buildings right now. And I think it was whack how they did Sax. I hate that they made Theo kill him. And then on top of Theo killing him, they also made him commit suicide. And it's just like, okay, how can we tie this up really quickly in this episode and move on to something new for episode nine? Stupid. Sorry. I went on a tangent. Go ahead. No. Go ahead. It's understandable. But yeah, I would have thought if they're going to make him get killed, at least let Davis do it. Like, Theo? Like, I don't know. Because, and... I, I just feel like it was stupid too because you did all of that to get him out and Sax was the one who did get him out. Then you turn around and make him kill Sax. I don't know. It was just like why? They made Sax seem like an afterthought. Yeah, it, it just felt like um just just kill him. <laughs> like kill him. somebody gotta die. Just kill him. We don't need him. We'll replace him with somebody else. We don't need him anymore. And I'm, I'm telling you, when that happened, I think everybody watching was like, because <gasps> I did, I I did not see. I thought somebody would come and kill. Um, what's his name? Theo. Theo. I thought he would get a bullet from like Blanca or somebody. You know, or you know, I did not see that really happening. Like I was like, this week, my uh, mouth open. I cannot process that he's really doing this. Yeah, and I gasped. When, when it happened, like I couldn't, I knew it was, it, it was very shocking, but I knew it was, it, that's what they were leading up to. But when it happened, I was like, oh, are you kidding? Like, and then when I saw everybody else's reaction, because everybody was like, yeah, I, I'm tired of sex. But I'm like, are y'all kidding me? Think about this. This doesn't make sense. This, first of all, all of the things that they had sex doing is not stuff, stuff that sex would normally do. He wanted to get them. Yes. But him working with Jenny, even though he had this budding relationship with McLean, it doesn't seem like that's something that old school Sax would have done, especially if he always played the angles, right? He always knew who was going to work towards his advantage. And it just doesn't make sense to me if he doesn't think that Jenny is working towards his advantage and he's getting all of this help from McLean, the person that saves him. I just, it doesn't, it didn't make sense to me. I don't like it. I I hate the direction that the show is going in. Hopefully nine is better. Episode nine is better. And they're able to regroup and come with, come with a better story, a better story, or like keep the story flowing in a way that was comparable to when Courtney Kemp was there 
or just to have her direction. I'm not sure. I, you know, she's not that involved with it as much anymore. And I don't really know what her, what her input is going forward or what it is now, but they need her back. And I feel like they are destroying these characters that she created. I think they're focused on having shock factor, yes. but, but it still needs to make sense and it still needs to play out in its time. And it's like, they're just putting jam packing everything into like one episode. But why? Like you burn, you're burning out the show quickly by doing that. Yeah. And I, I, I really, I'm telling you that part was just like, wait, what, what just happened here? Like, you know, I thought he would get kidnapped, but then I thought, you know, somebody would come and get him. And, but. That was wishful and, thinking because, because Jenny said, oh, we don't have protection for you. Nobody was helping him out. He doesn't have any friends. No one is looking out for him. He's just walking alone on a rooftop. He makes a call to yep. Tariq saying that he has Tasha's address and call off your dogs. And that's it. That's it. That's his, that's his final Hail Mary. Call off your dog because yeah. I have your mom's address and no one yeah. is there to help him. That's it. And then it's like, what becomes of Davis character now? Like, I feel like a big part of his character was this Theo Rollins, you know? And it's like, oh, and then. Sax, right. That was a big part of his storyline. Yeah. Relationship with Sax and the, the stuff with his brother. So now his brother is dead. Sax is dead. Are, what are they going to do? The the only thing that they mentioned at the end of this episode is that they're going to, they said that they saw him slip the note to Diana and that um, he may have sent Theo to do it. Mm. No. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, ah. I don't know who's going to take out Jenny Wood. She needs to go. Guys, if you want to see Peyton Ashbrook on my show, that's the actress who plays Jenny, please DM her and tell her to come on over <laughs> or put it in my comments, just at her and stuff. But I, I would like to talk to her and be like, hey, you okay with playing this role? Because they got you out here looking crazy, Mama Sita. Yeah, she's just devious. And then to the, the top it off, after saying you're not giving him protection, you bring Lauren after hiding her for all this time and expose her. To Effie. So it's like, God forbid we don't know what this is going to play out, but now she's a target and then people come in to look for her because you wasn't dead the first time, but we're going to make sure we kill you this time. That's that's what they did by doing that. So it's like, I, she has to go. She has to go. She has to go. What was the point in hiding her for all those months? Oh, you're talking about hiding who? Um, Lauren? Um, Lauren. Why, why hide her for to just expose her on a sidewalk like that? On a sidewalk. I, you know what I'm saying? Like, I understand if they popped, if they're in court or something, or you, like you said, in the lineup, and then you see Lauren there or something like that, but on a sidewalk in the car, like, that that was just so... What if Kane started shooting them, right? And then What's just, my point earlier? You yeah, and then just kills off Lauren yeah. in the process. Uh, and they're exposing her to more threats. So... <laughs> I don't, they don't know if when they pull off with Lauren, there's a big Monet got a big drug dealer thing shoot out there and everybody dies. I'm just saying, it's just like, that was very stupid. You hide, you hide her for six months to do that. 
Can I tell you that I've been reading comments and comments and comments and comments and no one has brought this up? Like, I don't see anybody mentioning this. I'm like, you know, do I live in the Twilight Zone? And people are like, oh, this episode was so good. I'm like, what are we watching? <laughs> what are we watching? We watch it. Because because we both know that it's good, but where's this going? And, you know, eventually it's going to crash and burn because... It, it's just, it's going where it's, it's not making sense. You know, it's a lot of things happening that they're not thinking out. They're just taking action. And it's like, but how will this play out now that this is done? So I don't, I don't know. Well, guys, that, that has been our week of Chronicles of Power this week. We will be back next week. Um, there is no episode for May 12th. There will be the next era, <laughs> Mima's making faces. So the next episode, which will be episode nine, the penultimate episode of the season, it will be airing on May 19th. There's no episode this week, guys. However, we will be dropping our Shane Johnson interview. That is the actor who plays Sax. I got the chance to interview him last week and he had tons of things to say. I cannot wait for you to see it. He is very honest child, very open about the happenings that was happening behind the scenes. So um, definitely check that out when it drops on Friday, May 12th. Any last words, Mima? No, <laughs> I'm still going, I'm still going to watch. Still going to watch. I don't want to see what, I'm still gonna watch. what's coming. But the reason for this, for this, uh, podcast is for us to talk about it and i'll still watch but i do have feedback so you all enjoy your week and we'll see you when we come back and don't forget to check out the shane m johnson interview peace guys